Thank you everyone for listening to Hotel Stories. This week I have an interesting and uh, really exciting guest, Rocco Bova. Rocco is the general manager for a beautiful hotel, which I will butcher the name. So I'm going to ask him to say it because he says it so much more beautifully than me. Welcome, Rocco. Thank you, Tracy. You are actually fine. Don't worry. Uh, however, the, the name of the, of the resort is uh, Chablais. Chablais. Yes. Yeah, you say it way better than me. <laughs> so, um, and tell me a little bit about your hotel. Yes, sure. Chablet was, uh, was born about uh, 15 years ago now. And uh, when they first uh, um, purchased this large piece of land in the Yucatan state of Mexico, uh, they didn't know really what to do. Uh, however, after, after meeting some people, some friends, people in the industry, uh, they were convinced that maybe investing in a luxury hotel uh, would be a, an, an opportunity uh, because particularly in this region, there were no competitors. You know, there were some haciendas, but not, nothing at the ultra luxury level. So they, they took the challenge and, uh, and particularly the owner himself, the founder of the company, um, decided that if he had to do it, he had to do it really well. And so Chablet was born, was born uh, with uh, the idea in mind of creating a, a, a wellness retreat in, uh, in the art of, uh, the, of the Maya jungle. Um, they wanted to create something uh, out of the ordinary, not the usual wellness and spa retreat where you go get massage, and, uh, and you have a beautiful spa, but you also have additional amenities and you also don't follow the traditional spine wellness uh, um, concept. So the idea was to create uh, a wellness retreat where you can also indulge. Because a lot of the place where you go for spa and for, and for retreat in general, you are deprivated you know you are told you cannot do that you cannot drink you cannot eat you cannot you have to exercise a lot so the idea is in fact is to come to Chablet and discover wellness uh, from a different point of view uh, you first uh, discover the nature you first discover the beautiful place you first discover yourself so you get yourself in contact with the with your surrounding and then you get introduced to wellness. And wellness for us is not just getting a nice, ma a nice massage, as I was saying earlier on, but actually is uh, discovering the Maya culture. And the Maya culture is uh, very profound. You know, we could talk here for hours, actually. But, you know, in brief, what I'd like to tell you is that uh, the Maya people, they believe that taking care of nature uh, will take care of you. So... And it's kind of, you know, what everybody's talking about now with this uh, pollution and plastic and, uh, and sustainability and so on and so forth. The Maya people, they've been doing this for 2,000 years. Yes. And, and so well done and so lovely and so much attention to detail. Well, yes, we have, uh, we, we created this uh, resort also for the beauty of the eye, you know, it's important for for our guests when they come that they see a beautiful place, so that, that you, even the eyes can enjoy this beauty. And and, and beauty is also wellness because uh, feeling well is also feeling beautiful, mm -hmm. not just inside but also outside. Mm -hmm. Wow! And so. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, because I, I want to go back to the hotel and the experience at the hotel, and um, and I want to ask you some questions about that. But where did uh, where did you grow up? Well, I I was born in a little village uh, in the south of Italy. That was uh, forty eight years ago, and um, you know I think uh, I think that for me living in a small in a small place was uh, was a little bit um, 
outside of my scheme. You know, I wanted always to discover, even when I was, uh, you know, a child, a young, a young boy with my bike, I used to ride up to 25, 30 kilometers just to go and discover something new. And, uh, and I've been doing this basically for, uh, you know, since I left my country, you know, until the age of 25. So living and growing up in a small village also, you know, determine your, uh, your, um, your individuality, your, uh, your person, your behavior. You know, I had to, I, I, I grew up in a, in a time and in a place which not really at its best, if I can say that, you know, when, uh, in the early 80s, for example, in the, in the south of Italy, you know, there were a lot of problems, which are still there now. But, uh, you know, in those days, you know, they were more acute and more evident. Um, I had to live with, um, you know, shooting. You know, there was a lot, of, a lot of situation that I had to deal also with, uh, with the mafia. And, um, you know, when you, when you grow up with this uh, intensity, um, you become also a stronger person, of course, on, on one hand, but also you understand that you make decisions, you know, whether this is for you or not. And um, not only because of that, uh, but also for several other reasons, I decided to leave my country. I, I, I wanted to discover the world since I was a child. And, uh, you know, and the day I had the opportunity, I took it uh, in, in a blink of an eye. Wow. And so what did your parents do in Italy? <laughs> well, <laughs> when I left my home, my, my mom, she was not very happy, obviously. Uh, my father, uh, on the contrary, actually gave me his full support. Huh? And, uh, and well, of course, you know, with, uh, with all the good intention, you know, I, I gave my level best uh, to, to what I did and what I've been doing until now. And, uh, well, here I am now, about 30 years later managing one of the best resorts in the world. Wow. And so did you have brothers and sisters? Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have one older brother and, uh, and two older sisters. I'm, I'm the last of four, basically. Oh, you're your mom's baby. No wonder why she didn't want you to leave. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so how did that impact you growing up with, you know, that type of um, unstableness with the country? Well, you know, I, as a matter of fact, you know, I always, uh, I have this uh, positive attitude and, uh, you know, I always find the best uh, out of any situation, even the worst. Um, so during those days, you know, we were, we were a bunch of friends and, uh, and we, we stuck together, you know, because when you, when you find people you, you can trust, you tend to stay together all the time. And, uh, you know, I grew up with very nice people people that uh, loved me and supported me and, uh, and we had a great fun together and, uh, and we did a lot of things together. So I, my, my childhood uh, and my young adulthood was, you know, I cannot really say much about it. It was great. You know, I had a great time and, um, you know, I, 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 I was a very happy person. I'm still a ha very happy person today. Uh, the impact for me was just, uh, you know, uh, coming to this point, you know, that you have to make a decision whether you, you stay there and you continue and you leave with the environment you, you have or you go somewhere else. And because of my dream, you know, and I think what triggered this dream was something that happened when I was really, really young. I think I, I was three or four years old, and this is very clear in my mind, as it was yesterday, one of my neighbor, who was a, who was a mariner on, the, on these uh, cruise lines, you know, and he used to travel six, six, months, uh, six months outside and two months home, you know, when he, when he came one day, he called me in his house, uh, and from the balcony, he pointed out a, 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 a cruise ship, and he said to me, you know, Rocco, when you grow up, I'm going to take you to Texas. <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I think this word, I've never been to, to Texas and never he took me. But, but I, think, I think that this uh, uh, um, uh, 
triggered, you know, this, uh, this something in my mind and, and, and this uh, need to discover more and need to travel more. And, uh, and this is what happened, basically. So that was in uh, 1995 when I met a Brazilian guy back home in, uh, in the south of Italy. He said to me, one day we were working in the same restaurants and he said to me, Rocco, why don't you... Why don't you come to London? You know, I can help you find a job and uh, I can assist you. It's not a problem. And it's very easy there. And I said, okay, I don't speak any English. You think it's going to be okay? He said to me, don't worry. I will, I will help you. And, uh, you know, and everything started from there. Basically, I bought my, my, my one ticket, one-way ticket to London. And uh, since then, I never came back. So I, I only go back to Italy basically for my, my vacation. But basically, my life is being outside of my, on my home, home country since uh, 1995, basically. Wow. Okay. So you were 25 years old. You meet this Brazilian man. He uh, offers you this job in London. What was the job? Working at a restaurant, you said? No, he didn't even offer me a job. He just offered me to help. You know, oh, wow. so when okay. I... <laughs> When I went to London, I didn't have a job. I just had, uh, you know, I had a, a few hundred pounds in my in my pocket. I had a, a lot of uh, a lot of will to 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 make it, and um, and uh, within a week, I found my job. I found my first job as a waiter in a, in an Italian restaurant. And basically, everything started from there. Wow! And so, how long were you at the Italian restaurant? I worked there for a year, and then uh, and then after that, I met uh, I met my my wife today wife, and um, we decided to live together. So in order to do that, obviously I had to leave this restaurant as, as well. Uh, but then we started to work, both of us, and uh, you know with two salaries, that, you know it would it would it would have been easier. And so we did. So we started to find uh, an apartment and then uh, our life as a couple began. And then also my professional life changed because then I went to hotel school. I, I got um, a degree on, 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 um, on hospitality management, which I didn't have when I left my, my home country. And, uh, and then I got my very first job at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. That's where basically my professional career really started. Okay, so tell me this. So you're um you're a young man, you're living together with your girlfriend and you you realize I need to go to school. So are you working and going to school at the same time? That is correct, yes. Was, was, work. was not so easy, but uh, you know again if you really want to do something, if you have the will, you can achieve it. Of course my wife she helped me a lot. She she was also working um, full time. So, you know, I, I could only work basically over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, she was basically helping me also in, you know, paying, paying bills and, uh, you know, just make a, make a, a normal living until both of us, we could be, we could be free. And then, uh, and then that was it. You know, I, I, I applied for the, for this job at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel uh, where they were looking for a, a restaurant manager for their Italian restaurant, mm -hmm. and um, and yes, I was uh, I was taken. So, you know, basically everything started from there. So again, from Jumeirah Beach Hotel, then I went to Singapore at the Four Seasons, and then. Whoa, the whoa, okay. So you're the restaurant manager. This is fascinating. And then, from there, how many years were you the restaurant manager? I was two and a half years at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. Okay. So a lot of people want to be a general manager and, and a lot of people would love to be a general manager at the most stunning resort that you're at. Um, so I know they want to hear about this journey that you went on to get there. So you, you worked in operations, you worked restaurant, then you were restaurant manager. And then you said you went to Singapore. I went to Singapore at the Four Seasons. Yes, that, that is correct. And what was your role at the Four Seasons? I, I was also a restaurant and bar manager. <clears throat> basically, it was a lateral move, but uh, I also decided to move uh, basically because of the brand. You know, working at the Four Seasons, it's, uh, it's obviously a privilege. You know, it's one of the best brands in the, in the world. Yes, they take care of their people, huh? That is very correct, yes. 
Yeah, that's so great. So from there, did they give you a lot of training? Did they give you more, you know, invest in you? In fact, all the company that I worked, they, they invested in me. At the end of the day, you know, first of all, you have to understand or one has to understand that when you get paid for what you do, is an investment from the company. <laughs> that's already, that's already, yeah. the, that's already the very first big investment because that's part of, uh, of your, your, your professional growth. Additional to that, to the company, they give you an induction then they give you consistent support through various level of management and coaching. You know, that's already another, another way for the company to invest in you. And a lot of people sometimes don't really realize that, you know, they, they just expect, you know, going to Cornell or going, you know, and, and the company paying for all the costs. It doesn't work like that. You know, you, you have to learn from all aspects of your uh, interaction with a company. So you have to make the most of it all the time and you have to keep your ears, your eyes always wide open to see, to listen, and to understand what's going on so you can also learn as you work. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, okay, so what do your parents think about you going to Singapore? I mean, London's so close, now you're going to Singapore. I'm sure your dad was so proud. <laughs> well, my dad, unfortunately, was no longer alive. So that was only my mom. And uh, yes, of course, she was, uh, she was proud, but she was scared, even more scared because I was going even further away. Um, but that's, that's fine. That's part and parcel of the, you know, of life today, you know, 30 years later, she's now obviously so much, so much happier, so much more comfortable, so much more confident, you know, that things are going so well now for me and, uh, you know, thanks God and, uh, to the, to the, to the hard work and, uh, and, uh, and the commitment and love that I have for my job and passion, you know, eventually this all pay, pay back. Of course, you have to have a, a huge support back home. And when I say back home is also my own family. So my wife, my children, you know, every time you move, you have to change country, change school or change house uh, and so on and so on. So it's a, it's a big, uh, it's a big task every, every move and every, and every job transfer. So, you know, a, a bigger credit goes to my wife as well. And, uh, and my kids that they've been following me for, uh, for the past 20, 20 over years. That's true. You know, a, a lot of general managers, especially the good ones, get moved around a lot. And um, that can be really hard on a family, but it, it's also exciting. I mean, there's, there's so much that comes along with that. That's really great. So, um, so when you were in Singapore, um, what, what took you from Singapore to what was your journey to eventually getting to Mexico? Oh, well, I did another six or seven countries before getting to Mexico. Me Mexico was not just, uh, uh, you know, just after, after Singapore, you know, from Singapore, I then moved to, to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Then from Kuala Lumpur, I moved to India. From India, I moved to Oman. From Oman, I moved to Mauritius. From Mauritius, I moved to the Caribbean in Dominican Republic uh, to then eventually move to to Mexico, you know, which I where I joined basically the the Chablé and uh, at basically nearly at, at its opening, and uh, and I've been here ever since. Okay, so take me through your your career. So you you were um, director of food and beverage, right? Res a restaurant manager in uh, at the Four Seasons. That's and correct. Then, then, then how did you move up to general manager? Talk, walk me through that. Yes. Well, I, I joined uh, the Hilton in Kuala Lumpur as a food and beverage director uh, two and a half, uh, well, two years after I joined the, the Four Seasons. And then I stayed another year and a half with a, a restaurant group managing uh, seven, seven restaurants and bars in Singapore. So once I got stronger, knowledge uh, of the operation or multi-unit operation as well as budgeting and uh, and managing people of course so then I, I i got the opportunity to join this wonderful hotel in kuala lumpur and um and i stayed there two and a half years um you know as uh, as opportunity comes you also have to keep 
keep yourself open and uh, and able and able to grab those opportunities. So, as I wanted to grow, obviously, and to become a general manager at, at a certain at a certain point of my career, I I decided to move to India in, in New Delhi for the opening of the Aman in New Delhi. Oh wow! Aman Resort is, uh, as you probably know, is one of the probably the best, the the number one or the among the top five ultra luxury um, hotel company worldwide. Sure. And, um, and then when I got this opportunity, obviously I, I couldn't say no. So actually I worked for Amman twice. I worked the first time in, in New Delhi for the opening of the Amman there. And the second time more recently in Dominican um, Republic, also another opening. Um, so after New Delhi, I moved to Oman at the Albustan Palace, uh, which at the time was a, a, an intercontinental hotel. And I uh, stayed there for two years. Um, and after that, uh, I moved. What was your role there? What were you doing there? Oh, well, at the Oman in New Delhi, I was executive assistant manager. So I was kind of a, a, a number two to the general manager. Wow, that's and a big jump. It was a big jump, yes, it was a big jump, and uh, it was great, a great learning curve uh, for me, and on top of that was also an opening, so I got the opportunity to manage basically the entire hotel, and at the same time, I was able also to be part of a pre-opening project. So when how did I, you get that job? Was that, did you know someone and they reached out to you, or did you pursue them? Well, it's, it's always about network. You know, you need to know people in the industry and uh, you have to have your own connection. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was open enough to start building my connection early in my career. You know, I, I'm always very friendly and very, very professional at the same time. But also, I like to network. I like to get connected with people in the business particularly so you know when you grow your your network obviously people get to know you and if they know you are uh, a, 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 a a professionist then they will call you automatically you know so this is basically how it works so, so one person or another person and then people um people contact you mm -hmm. so and um so when i moved to the to the albustan palace there was actually a step down I, I returned to be a director of food and beverage because, you know, sometimes you need to understand that also as a part of your career growth, you have to understand that stepping back doesn't mean stepping down. Stepping back means that uh, maybe you need to learn something, something new or something more. So I decided to, to go back as a director of food and beverage. I spent there two, two years, two more years. I worked with a great general manager. And again, you know, through coaching and learning, you actually, you, you actually grow at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, from the food and beverage director job that I had at the Albustan Palace in Oman, I managed to get back into a, a hotel manager job again when I moved to, to Mauritius. First with Lux Le Morne, and then after with, um, with the St. Regis in Mauritius. Uh, in this island, beautiful island of the Indian Ocean, I, I spent five years there, and uh, and that was basically my first uh, step to into into general manager. And uh, from there, I moved again with a man resort at the in the Caribbean, in Dominican Republic, to then uh, move to Mexico again as a general manager, basically for this uh, for this beautiful uh, resort in Yucatan. And how long have you been at this hotel in Mexico? It's now two and a half years. Two and a half years. And how old are your children? My kids are 15 and 16. Oh, wow. So they grew up on this journey and this experience. That is correct. They were born in Singapore and they've moved with me all this, uh, this time. Wow. Okay. So tell me, um, you've worked in so many different countries and I find it interesting. Um, when I was a meeting planner and I would hold events in different countries, you know, the um, staff, uh, you know, you're pulling from, from local talent. So you might have excellent talent um, and you might have not so excellent talent. So how did you find in some of these places where it's, um, you know, harder to find the best talent, 
to motivate or to train or to inspire? Well, I think, uh, you know, something that I learned also through some other company, in particular, my resort, uh, I think that the most important is, uh, is not to think about people with skills uh, or people with uh, experience, rather with interpersonal skills. So, you know, I, I always look for this, uh, for this interpersonal skill first uh, before looking for the experience, because at the end of the day, uh, when you look only for, uh, for, for experience, what you get, you get people that are already pre-programmed and you don't want to do that. You actually want to have people that they are not pre-programmed, that they are open to, to learn. And, uh, and this is how I normally recruit my team. I like people that they have a bigger heart, that they're really keen to serve and, uh, and that they really want to learn. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then everything else comes in place because it's proven that it works. It takes a little bit longer, but it's proven that it works because when you get people like this, uh, you actually are able to deliver a, a much more genuine uh, level of service. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you have um, employees that are really great and employees that are challenges. How do you motivate uh, your team? Do you have incentives or how do you, what do you do to be a great general manager? Oh, wow. There is no secret, actually. Uh, there is no secret and there is not, there's not really rules that, you know, that makes you a better or worse general manager. I think you have to, you have to follow your own instinct. You know, you have to have values that, that match with the people that you're going to employ and the company that employs you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you have to walk the talk because the moment you don't walk your talk, then uh, you are grilled immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people, even, even people that they, you know, sometimes you say they don't have such a great attitude. Well, they are, they are in the wrong place because of us as, a, as a leaders. You know, we employ them. If, they are, if they're there and they don't perform, it's because we are not, we, we did not employ the right people for the right job. Mm-hmm. So, so we cannot blame them for not being good. We need, we need to look at ourselves. Why did we employ the wrong person? Um, other than that, I think if you walk your talk, you know, and, and you gain the trust of your team, everything is possible. They will move uh, mountains for you. And it sounds like you're a really hard worker, so they see you there working hard. There that, that, is also, that is also correct. I mean, at the end of the day, you cannot, as a captain of the ship, you cannot say, okay, let's go and you go home. <laughs> when you right. say, let's go, let's go, you go. You go with them and you stay with them. You know, that's, that's a captain. You know, you, you, the, if, the she, if the ship will sink, you sink with the ship. Actually, you let everybody go first and then you sink with, with the ship. So yes, this is uh, very important in leadership today. I think uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, incredibly important uh, presence. It's incredibly important your commitment, your own commitment before asking somebody else's commitment, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, and yes, walking the talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to ask you a tough question. So uh, a lot of times in our industry, you know, people are. Um, there to have fun and there to kind of, um, especially in the properties that you're in, they're there to disengage from their life and experience, you know, life in a new way. And that could come with, um, you know, possibly, you know, people being um, overserved or um, some challenges that happen at the hotel that you have to handle. So how do you train your employees to handle some of those tough situations where um, you have to either cut a guest off from drinking or you have to do a a wellness check that, you know, on a guest that um, you're unsure what you're walking into. So how do you train your team to deal with these sensitive situations that as a hotel we're, um, we experience that maybe a lot of other industries don't? Mm -hmm. 
But that's not really, I think it takes time like everything, you know, in order to handle, to handle big, big situation, you have to handle the small situation first, you know, that this is all natural, you know, it's, it's all, you know, when I, when I first started to work in this business, you know, I was not able to handle problems, you know, I used to call my manager and say, can you please help me? And then slowly, slowly, you get more and more confident as you, you see, for example, how the manager handled this problem, then you learn and you apply the skills once, twice, thrice, and then you get more confident that you can handle something bigger and so on and so forth. There is no real a, a recipe for, uh, for learning. You just need to be able to coach your team, uh, show them how to do it, mainly because they need to see how, how also how you handle the situation so mm -hmm. they can also learn from it and then give them the confidence that they can do it by themselves because otherwise they will never learn. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of a tough situation you were put in and how you handled it? Well, uh, remember that day I was, I cannot mention uh, the hotel, uh, but, uh, but I can mention uh, the situation. For example, uh, uh, that was uh, about five, six years ago, and uh, <clears throat> I was handling a, a very, very difficult guest. Uh, that uh, from the moment they checked in, I realized that they were going to be a problem, and um, and in fact, this was a reality because at the moment we brought the room, they started to shout and scream to the to the staff, uh, and they were not happy with the room. But you know there is a way to not to be happy. You know, you cannot be happy and you don't need to scream and shout to people. You know, you, there is always an elegance to say, you know what, you know, do you have another room with a better view or I actually didn't book this, this room type. Uh, do you think uh, you, we, we can look for another options, you know, something like that. And then you can still get, you can still get what you want. But this person was really, really annoying, very arrogant. Uh, he just had this very negative vibe. So I said to the staff, okay, let me, let me intervene because otherwise here we're going to get into more and more trouble as, as the, the vacation of this person progress. So I called the, the security manager and I told them, uh, I need you to come with me because I'm going to speak really firm to this guest and I want you to be there as a witness. And also just in case that they become aggressive because you never know how people can behave sometimes. Mm -hmm. So after they finished lunch, I waited for them at the entrance of the restaurants and I asked them, uh, would you mind, uh, you know, I would like to talk to you in private and I would like to offer you a drink at the bar. So I took them to the bar, we sat down and, uh, and I spoke very clearly to, the, to this couple, it was husband and wife. And I say to them, uh, from the moment you stepped in, uh, you already started to have this uh, strange behavior. I'm going to tell you this, if you don't stop this behavior now, I'm going to have to ask you to leave my hotel. Otherwise, you know, there's no, there's no way we can make you happy because everything that we are trying to do for you doesn't seem to work. And I was not just screaming or shouting. I was very calm, very polite, very professional. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, these people, they obviously, they didn't, they didn't expect this kind of situation. They didn't expect to be challenged by anybody because probably they were used to be like that in every hotel that they go. Mm -hmm. And uh, believe it or not, uh, the, the, the husband, I mean, the, the, the male guest uh, started to cry, literally. What? He was broken tears <laughs> and he said to me that uh, nobody ever treated him like this in his life. And I said to him, uh, well, even to me, nobody ever treated me or my, or my team like you have done. So once again, I repeat, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the resort. And uh, so the wife started to comfort his husband, her husband, and, uh, and uh, they said to me, okay, okay, this is clear. And, uh, and I said to them, from now on, we're going to treat you again like normal guests. You have my word here, but I have to have your word that you're going to try to treat my staff like human being. And we will continue to serve you as if never happened. 
and uh, they left. They asked me, okay, we want to leave now. Thank you very much. And uh, I told them, of course you can leave. So the security manager next to me, he was shocked. <laughs> he said to me, he said to me, Mr. Rocco, my, my, my God, you're so strong. I say, no, I'm not strong. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just fair. You know, I just, I just want to have our team member to be treated normally, like, like human. And I don't want anybody to treat me like this. So, you know, I have to stop it. And he said to me, I respect you a lot, Mr. Rocco. And I said, thank you very much. You know, it's, it's part of my job. This is what I should do. And, uh, and uh, well, I'm glad that it worked out. Hopefully it's going to work out. But believe it or not, the couple, we never heard from them anymore. They, they continued it, their vacation. Actually, the next day we arranged them for, for a massage with our compliment. We arranged a romantic dinner on the beach because I wanted them to have a great time. I didn't want them to have a bad time. And at the same time, I also called their travel agent and I told them, you know, what happened. And I told them also what we have done. And they also the travel agent was very grateful, of course. And, you know, she said, Rocco, you know, you should not do that. But I really appreciate what you're doing for, uh, for our guest. So, yes, you and, you know, this kind of uh, situation, they make you really strong. They make you learn a lot. And, uh, and that's where your communication skills comes in. You know, that's where you... Even I learned some, a new lesson from, from that point of view because I didn't go there to fight. I went there to solve, you know, and this is how I started, you know. So I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go and start insulting them or, or, or shouting to them, you know, I just, or menacing them. I told them that obviously I, I couldn't accept this any longer. But, you know, my initial conversation was, was open with an open door. You know, we want you to have a great time. Wow. Talk about inspiring your employees. I mean, that is a general manager that you want to work for. You feel good about going to work, knowing that you're respected and that you have a job to do, but you're not going to be treated disrespectfully. Well, I, you know, I, from, from some company, they teach you as well, treat other like you would like to be treated. So I would also work for, for, for my superior, I know they will do exactly what I've, what I've done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. That's, that's such a powerful, uh, powerful story. Because as somebody who also worked their way up, um, you know what it's, I've worked for many different general managers on my way up. And um, to have somebody like that, like yourself, you don't always have those general managers. And so it's just so inspiring and empowering. And, and I'm sure you taught a lot of employees that day how to deal with these situations. Yes. Well, for example, you know, one of my learning lessons as well from, from a, a general manager of mine was, uh, was quite similar. You know, we had a, we had a suggestion of assessment, for example, in, uh, in one hotel. Uh, towards one of our um, uh, roommates and the general manager did something similar to what I did. He actually asked the, the security manager to hide in his office in, in, inside a, like a, a storeroom and he, he called his guest in his office and he faced the guest alone. And, uh, you know, of course I was not present. You know, I only heard the story through through my colleagues, but, mm -hmm. um, but you know, these, these, uh, these are the kind of things that also inspire me to do what I'm doing because, you know, I know it's possible. I know it's possible to manage guests, even the most difficult guests in the most professional manner without having to damage anything, you know, damage a relationship or damage your career because, you know, even, uh, even acting uh, in, in, uh, in, an, in, an, in a non-appropriate manner, can ruin your, your career at the end of the day. Well, you're absolutely right. And it's hard to keep your calm. You know, we, when you're getting yelled at or um, treated with disrespect. So um, do you think that's something that you're born with just your ability to stay calm in stressful situations, or do you think it's a learned behavior? Well, it's possible. Um, it is possible. I was born uh, with, 
but I, I don't discount the fact that you also learn as you go over time, you know, is, uh, you know, you, you, you don't, things don't happen for, for, by chance, you know, they happen because you learn over time. So mm -hmm. if the same thing would have happened, you know, 10 years ago, probably I, I, I wouldn't happen at the same way I did it, you know, two or three years ago. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. When you're 25 and someone's shouting at you, it's harder, you know, your body's, you know, you're just a different person. That's correct. Yeah. Well, um, so, you know, thinking of employees, have you had any difficult situations with employees? Not really. You know, when you work with decent companies, normally you don't have bad situation. And when you have them, uh, these are handled very smoothly and swiftly, you know, with the assistance of the, uh, of the HR team or depending on the situation also, sometimes with security, you know, if there is a, a theft involved. But no, generally, generally my staff is always being very great and I cannot, uh, I cannot uh, really say much about it. Yeah, you're working with, you know, like you said, you're working with some of the best of the best at this level of resort. So, um, that makes sense. What, uh, when you look at everywhere that you've worked, um, what did you particularly find most enjoyable? Which position did, did you find that you liked your current company not included? Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think that, uh, working as a director of food and beverage is uh, really most fun. It's obviously very hard. You have to put a, a lot of hours. Uh, but there is a lot of fun for sure. There is a, there is a lot of interaction with customers, you know, you're enjoying, you know, when they wine and dine. Uh, so, you know, on, they have a function. So yes, I think that working as a director for the marriage is something that I will never regret doing. That's so great. I remember sitting in our EC meetings and our food and beverage directors always knew the games that you know were being played and um i was fascinated at how much like how how much they had to manage you know it's a lot of different personalities and it's a lot of different um you know reasons for people being there there's you know it's a late night culture so there's a lot that comes along with that there's you know people who are um kind of at the beginning of their careers. And so there's a lot that goes along with that. Um, but they always had really fascinating stories and just different ways people were trying to either scam money and how they had these elaborate plans or, um, you know, ways just to make sure that everything was flowing properly. That, you know, when at the time I was the director of sales and marketing and we didn't have all that going on. So um, the food and beverage director certainly had a lot. Yes, in a way, in a way, the, uh, you know, we, we, we do, in fact, in fact, in the old days, uh, most of the general manager used to come through food and beverage ranks, mm -hmm. uh, because obviously working a, as an F&B, you actually get to basically nearly be like a general manager because you need to manage a lot of people. Most of the time, the, the F&B team is the largest team in the hotel. And particularly if you are senior F&B director, which is also managing the kitchens, meaning that you are like in charge of the entire F&B division, that makes you an even stronger manager because you obviously have to manage uh, production and, uh, and operation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It still is fun. It's a lot of work, but it's still fun, I, I guess. <laughs> well, that's so great. Um, you have a fascinating hotel story and uh i love i i love your energy and i love that your out your positive outlook you can tell that um you enjoy being part of a team and leading a team and that's exciting and i wonder if any of that had to go back to your childhood and and being part of a team of friends who work together to kind of get through some challenging times and find some fun during that. And it sounds like you found kind of your, your crew, your, you know, team. 
Yes, it is possible that, uh, you know, what, what happens in your childhood, uh, you know, make you who you are today, very possible. Uh, but there is a lot of happenings also through your life, you know, things that trigger changes and opportunities and, and uh, growth and, and even studying, you know, even going back to school every now and then, you know, I, I always keep learning, you know, I, the last time I invested, you know, a considerable amount of money uh, was about 10 years ago. And I'm already thinking, you know, maybe this year or next year to reinvest again on my, on myself. So these, these are the kind of things that, you know, make, make a, a big change in your, in your life uh, and uh, trigger, you know, that's that next level for you. Mm-hmm. So what's one piece of advice? Somebody is, um, either just got out of school or maybe they um, are working in a restaurant and they want to work their way up to being a GM. Is there any piece of advice you could give them? Yeah, take, take, take your time. Don't rush. <laughs> uh, you cannot be a, a real general manager too fast. You know, there are certain skills that internet, Google uh, don't know, I'm afraid. Uh, so as much as I appreciate the younger generation that they expect a fast career, I also hope that they, they respect the older generation um, you know, that took so many years to reach where they, where they are. And of course, there are, there are cases you know, of a very, very intelligent and smart people that they can lead very quickly. And there are many examples in today's, uh, in today's life where you can see very young leaders you know, being CEO of companies. This is mm-hmm. a not... There is no question about that. And, but this is a, is a small percentage. I'm talking about the, 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 the 90% of people that they, they think they should get it by default. But sadly, um, I don't think of myself uh, as a super intelligent or super smart person. I think of myself of what I have achieved, I've achieved because of hard work, because of uh, will and because of the people around me. So, you know, in order for one person to achieve a, 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 a to work for great companies, to, to get, you know, a, a satisfactory career and, uh, and to be surrounded with people that they want to be with you, you, you need to give it. You need to give it all. You need to invest a lot of your time and you need to be patient, you know, because great things come to those who wait. And, um, but if you want to go faster, then uh, I know many GMs that uh, there are GMs since the age of 25, 28, mm-hmm. but, but these are not the real GM. These are not the GMs that I would respect, or these are not the GM that they will work for world-class hotels. You know, these are the GM that work in maybe many hotels, but they just have a title. You know, for me, I didn't work for the title. I worked because I wanted to have I wanted to be a general manager. I wanted to act like one and I wanted to have the respect of a general manager. Rocco, you're so spot on because, um, you know, I, I was like you, I, I started working in a hotel gift shop and worked my way up and you only get that opportunity in the beginning. And so if you rush it, you, you lose those experiences that you accumulate that will only support when you get to that big role, when you get the responsibility and um, the challenges that come with it, uh, you need to know all the, all the different you know, ways that the hotel makes money, how it operates, and how the business model is set up. And you do that through working your way up. That's correct. So, you know, for everything, there is a time. and. Um... Yeah, you just need to, you need to be able to understand when, it, when it's time for you to move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been a fascinating interview. Any last thoughts? Nothing. I just would like to say thank you to you, first of all, Tracy, and thank you for inviting me for this podcast. And uh, for the audience, I would like to say that, uh, you know, uh, hospitality is the greatest industry, so please consider it. Don't be scared of, uh, 
of working hard. Don't be scared of working over the weekend. Don't be scared of uh, maybe at the beginning earning a relatively low salary uh, mm-hmm. because I, I know this, these are the main questions of most people. You know, these are the too many hours, too much work, too little salary. You know, don't be scared about that because this is actually not true. A lot of people, you know, they, they after the beginning of their career, of, of, of course, you need to work. A, a, I think the first 10 years of your career, yes, are a little bit hard. But then after that, once you understand, then you can start enjoying delegating and, and watch the world go by, uh, which doesn't mean that you do nothing. You do, but from behind. You direct from behind. You don't have to do the physically the job yourself. And once you get to that level, then of course, then it's another, it's another story. But, uh, but yes, this industry is a second to none. You know, the, there is no reward, there's no money uh, when a, a guest genuinely come and say, Rocco, thank you for making my stay memorable. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing that can pay you that. Well said. Well said. It is an inspiring, exciting industry. You've really um, said everything in a nutshell. I mean, you've been so inspiring. You've got some great uh, experience, and I know a lot of people are going to learn from you today. I really hope so. So thank you so much, Rocco. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. You've been listening to Hotel Stories, and we will have podcasts out, new podcasts every Tuesday. If you've enjoyed listening to Rocco's story, um, please let us know on www.hotelstoriespodcast.com. And if you have questions for Rocco, you can reach out to us on the website, or you can reach out to Rocco directly. And um, again, thank you so much. If you haven't had a chance, everybody out there, go look at Rocco's current hotel. It is beautiful, stunning. Um, What a wonderful place to call home for you and what a wonderful place to call work. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Fred. All right, everyone have a great night. Bye-bye.